Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Before we begin today's interview, it's time for our five-minute segment where we have a quick check-in with some of our favorite writers. So here's Five Minutes with Carrie Drake. Carrie Drake, talk to me. How's it going this week? Hey guys, happy Sunday. Happy to be here for five minutes. I'm about <laughs> Very uh, low commitment, the five minutes thing. I was told that this is like writer's therapy, so I'm looking forward to crying by the end of the five minutes. <laughs> so how's yeah, it going? Tell us like what you're working on and what your week's like. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I have to tell you that today is a very important day because it is got day. Game of Thrones is coming back, people. It is got day. So I hope that you are watching. I know I will be watching. And it's a, it's a, it's a loaded Sunday because it's Game of Thrones and it's Killing Eve. And it's also my husband and I do Sunday brunch day. Nice. So uh, we're, we're hopefully going to bottomless mimosa it up a bit. That's a beautiful thing. Do you write on the weekend or do you focus I just... Do, I do. Okay, I actually okay. have um, quite a bit of writing to do today. So uh, it maybe will be a mimosa as opposed to... Right. Uh, <laughs> how, how does the mimosa thing affect your writing? I feel like it can be good, but it can also not be great sometimes too. You know, it, it's not like... Uh, uh, it's the same with whiskey late at night. It's like, oh, I'm just going to have a nice sip, you know, do a little Hemingway. And it, it doesn't really, I just end up falling asleep. So totally. it's unhelpful. <laughs> so you mentioned shows that are, uh, that you're excited to watch. How does watching other content inspire what you do and what you write? You know, it's so interesting. I think, you know, in compare and contrast, even though they're sort of heightened shows, Game of Thrones is such a fun world building show to watch, seeing how all of these characters over the last eight years are finally coming together versus Killing Eve, which is, you know, a a bit more of a quiet thriller, but no less tense. And just sort of watching the way the writers have those two women relate. And it sort of rolls out in a much slower way, but sort of studying. I I mean, I could watch those two women. Obviously, it's, it's casting as well, but the incredible scenes that just you know depict great character moments i think are are really good sticking points to me i was thinking about that in another heightened show uh, maniac so yeah so i love that stuff i think we can always learn from the shows we watch and i wish i could tell you about what i'm working on right now i'm working on uh i'm a co-ep on a brand new series nice that's really exciting Congrats. um original series that i can't talk about <laughs> because it hasn't been announced yet so you're but, co-EP and you're in the writer's room, I assume. Correct. It's amazing. Great, Can you say like what great, network it's with or is that also? I also cannot say <laughs> yet. Well, we're excited. Uh, no, let me tell you about this really exciting thing. I can't tell you anything <laughs> It about. reminds me of the Star Wars uh, celebration panel where they uh, talked about the new movie for an hour and couldn't say any details. <laughs> exactly. It revealed nothing. Like I can tell you that it's great people, great content, and literally I, I just can't wait to watch it. And I feel like that's always a good sign. I'm excited um, because for the five minute thing, we can kind of keep in touch and find out more and more about this as it develops. And please, please. And then the other thing I'm working on that I also can't talk about is a pitch that I'm taking out. So hopefully, you know, hopefully I'll have more news to share with that soon. Nice. Um, but the other thing I did wanted to talk about is I'm starting a little uh, Twitter blast called Learned It the Hard Way. Okay. Hashtag Learned It the Hard Way. Learned It the Hard Way. Um, so I will be sharing things that I've learned through my career over the last decade, talking about, you know, what not to do and how, you know, I feel like people only learn the hard way because we learn through our experience. And so I'm sort of kind of going through some of the mistakes I've made. And I know, you know, when I don't care if it's like Aline Brush McKenna or Chris McQuarrie or, you know, Eric Heiser talking about their experiences, but it makes me feel so good as a writer when other writers that I really admire are honest about their experience. And it's sort of like that old trope, you know, Michelangelo burned, you know, more than half his drawings. So you'd never see the work it took to get him to that perfect script. So I want to talk about that process in hashtag learned it the hard way. Love that. Have you been doing this kind of um, writer help type stuff before on your Twitter? No, you know, it was really kind of spurred by my husband was reading, I had my husband read over a scene that I had written and he was like, you know, it's just kind of not there. And I was like, what do you mean it's not there? And he pointed out 
as the therapist that he is, that it was lacking vulnerability. And so I think, you know, when we're afraid to be vulnerable as writers, oftentimes we hold back in ways that we shouldn't. And when we sort of let go and let that process happen, we get a much more exciting and compelling scene. So I think that was sort of the marker for, oh yeah, well, let's talk about this then. So when is that releasing? Do you want to plug that real quick, your handle and everything? So sure, anyone sure. Listening? Yeah, so okay. I'll just be releasing it next week, just in little tiny blasts. You know, it'll be, you know, bits of advice here and there. And it's called hashtag learned it the hard way. Amazing. And I would love to hear from any other writers who have also hashtag learned it the hard way. Amazing. Uh, we have one last question before we go. Just um, yeah. calling back to that, watching the content um, on TV today as it's Game of Thrones Day, as you said. When you watch these shows, do you ever find yourself thinking, I would have done it this way, or I could have done it better? I guess it really depends on the show. I think, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes I stand there in awe. I remember that Daenerys scene where she comes out of the hut and like, you know, basically everyone bows to her as a goddess. And it's like, oh my God, there's nothing to top that. That is like the most amazing moment ever. But sure, I think as a fangirl, you know, there are, there are times where you're like, oh no, I wanted it to be this way instead of this way. And oftentimes, you know, on shows that maybe, or even stories or, you know, things we read, I think, you know, we're all critics to some extent, you know, and we have our own ideas about where they go. In fact, I'm not going to lie, as a young writer, I was obsessed before I knew what the Star Wars prequels were, you know, when they were first coming out. And I had plotted the whole book <laughs> triangle between Anakin, Obi-Wan, and uh, Padma. So, you know. So you wrote your own prequel uh, stories? Yeah, I had my own prequels, like, all set up. Wow. I wish those had gotten made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's right. very exciting new Star Wars coming out. But, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely have, you know, I think we all do that. Awesome. Well, I think that's our five minutes. These go by so fast. It ends up being ten minutes before you know it. So I hate to do it, but I guess we got to wrap up. Cut the umbilical. Let's do it. Cut the umbilical. All right. Well, enjoy <laughs> um, brunch and enjoy Game of Thrones and good luck with uh, the new Twitter project. Thanks so much for having me. Cool. And congrats on the new show. We're excited to hear about it. In the next few weeks, we have yeah, to do another five minutes. All right. Thanks, Carrie. Bye. And now back to the show. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Brian Silliman. Brian is an actor and a writer of plays, including The Magic of Mrs. Crowling, also musical stories and a book in progress. He's also a reporter and a writer for Sci-Fi Wire. Brian, how are you today? Good. How are you, sir? Doing quite well. Doing quite well. It's a rainy, dreary day in New York City. Indeed it is. And I hear that you are also based in New York City. I am, yeah, in uh, Astoria, Queens, and um, it's rainy and dreary here as well. So a perfect excuse to not go outside, not that I really need much of one nowadays. You're based in uh, Astoria, specifically in New York City. How does location for you play into being a writer? Well, it's, I, I mean, it, it, for, for one thing, there's, you, you don't have to look that far for inspiration. I mean, there's, in terms of what's right out your window, like there's always something going on in New York City in general. You don't have to look far, almost to an overwhelming degree. But then, you, you, you know, and in terms of also, you know, it's, it's a, it's such obviously such a wonderful hub of culture because there are museums, you know, there are plays, pretty much any random movie that you want to see, you know, will play here at some point before it plays anywhere else. So that's good. But at the same time, I, I like, um, you know, I've, I've been in Astoria for since 2001, um, and I like being just a little bit outside of the madness where, you know, I can also see a tree, you know, is nice. Um, and Astoria is just a wonderful uh, supportive community in itself. And a lot, a lot more and more um, friends of mine from theater and, and everywhere else are, are kind of slowly starting to move here as well. So, um so it's a nice tight knit community, and there's pretty much, you know, it, it's the the opposite is it's it's easier to isolate yourself and kind of hole up and just you know stay inside all the time. But if you're on a if you're on a really productive writing streak, that's wonderful. But if you're just you know on episode eight of some odd Netflix show, you know that's a little less productive. So there 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 are many more pros. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. And as a writer these days. Um 
with the internet and everything. Do you have to live in a major city like New York or LA to no. to work? Or? No, no, not at all. I, I mean, the thing is, it, it, it depends on 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 what you're writing, I guess. You know, in terms of plays, it's you know the ultimate outcome is okay. Well, you're going to write this play, and then you have to find. If, depending on what level you're at, assuming you don't have an agent or anything like that, you have to find people that'll want to do it, and you have to find a theater to put it up in. That is much easier in a city like New York, especially because we have such a thriving independent theater community here, which is you know where I, you, you know, for many, many, many years and, and was involved in, and, and still was. I mean, all of my plays were produced, you know, through independent theater. And there are um, a lot of companies, a lot, of, and you meet a lot by doing them as well. Um, you know, I met people acting and, you know, they find out you're a writer and they want to read your stuff or whatever. You get a network, you know, and that, and you're all in the same city. And that network kind of is really the only way I've, one of the only ways I've been able to, you know, get anything done, at least as a playwright, because, you know, you're not on your own. But you know, there are other ways there, there, are, you know, even if you're not in a big city, you can still write it up and you can submit to festivals. Almost all of these festivals have, you know, it used to be you get this tome of a book that would have listings of every theater and all of that's online now. And you can just do, you know, online submissions and sometimes, you know, online writing samples and all it's really blown up that way. And I mean, in terms of, um, of the work I do for sci-fi wire, I mean, that I can do anywhere that, you know, I, and as long as a place has a Wi-Fi connection, I can do, you know, that work there. So it's, uh, as, as long as it's a strong enough connection to run the, the software, which it is, you know, so, so it, it, it depends. I mean, in, in terms of film, I'd say, you know, if you're, if you're just writing a screenplay, you know, that can be a little harder than because usually it involves, well, then raising the money and or if you're going to do it yourself, having access to equipment or, and people, if you don't know how to work it yourself, which I never do. It's like <laughs> people that know how to actually work this this camera and this focus and the settings and whatever, you know, I don't I don't I never get any of that. So it's it's really about the best thing I'll say and come back to it again about the city is having that network of of um, of uh, companions, you know, having a fellowship. And, um, and they usually end up being your, you know, some of your best friends. And, um, sometimes they're interested, sometimes they're not, sometimes the timing's not right, you know, and, but you're all in it together and you go for it. That's the biggest, and a support system when things go bad, which, you know, they often do. Um, so it's, and then so celebrate with one that when, you know, there's the odd success. So it's, it's, um, that's the biggest upscale to a city. But yeah, I mean, you don't need a city like New York or LA to have that for one thing, you know, there, or I, even, even though I know there's a similar, there's an amazing theater scene in Chicago with, with some friends of mine are just doing some amazing stuff. But again, you don't, you don't need that. It just, um, it helps, you know, it's nice. But I mean, with the, with the internet, the way it is, I mean, that has just opened up so many opportunities where usually i mean years ago would be you know doing these mass mailings of envelopes and printed plays or whatever and you and it's so much easier these days with just uploading a pdf and you know sending it along it's faster turnaround on rejections as well which is you know which i was going to say is bad but actually it's it's a little you know, having that instant, yeah, no, thank you is, is nice rather than holding out hope for like for weeks and weeks only to get a card in the mail that says, yeah, we don't want to read this. It's, uh, I, I'd say the, the possibilities have definitely opened up, but there are, um, there's still benefits, I think, to being in a, you know, not, not even necessarily a city, but just a place where there are other artists, where there are other people working, where you have people that are as like-minded as you, and that could be anywhere. It, any, any anywhere that there's there's a theater really it's um you know get get them interested and 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 work with them and so volunteer for them and 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 go from there and did you grow up in new york city where did you start and what was your initial motivation for moving here 
tell us about those like early days and your aspirations as a writer. Sure. Um, I grew up on Long Island. Um, so I've always been, you know, 50 minutes outside of the city and, uh, my, my father uh, would commute in every day into the city. So, and my my favorite thing to do would always be, you know, the one day a week where I went in to work with dad, because it was just, you know, the city was a magical place back then. It was it was it was utterly magical, and I loved everything about it. And um, and, and you know, I'm an only child, so I, you know, and I was also, you know, quite weird. Um, and still am. And, um, you know, I didn't play sports. I was absolutely hopeless with sports and also didn't, didn't really care. And, and so, you know, you're, you're kind of set apart, especially growing up where I was on Long Island. It's like all those things put together, you know, you you spend a fair amount of time by yourself. So, so, you know, I, I, I would make up, you know, stories. I would always make up little stories since I was, since I was young. And it wasn't just, you know, playing with Legos to, you know, play, it was like these intricate myths, you know, that would build and, and, and I didn't know that, you know, half of it, I was subconsciously ripping off of star Wars or whatever else. You don't realize that stuff when you're that young, but, but I always had a, a firm interest in storytelling. And, um, I, I played, um, the viola when throughout uh, middle school and high school. And that's what I was going to do. It was just assumed because it was really the only thing I was any good at. Um, but I had this pull to uh, to acting. I, I I wanted to try it, and when I got to high school, it was the first time that there were shows to audition for, and I just the, the, the first I remember my my freshman year of high school, the audition for West Side Story was disastrous, and I didn't realize he needed to go in with a song. And in the dancing part, I got kicked in the stomach by the guy in front of me, you know, and I'm flopping around, and it's it's. Uh, as bad as any audition could possibly go and so it was like a firm no you know on that and it took like until senior year of high school to to actually where they were desperate enough for any kind of male you know to be on the stage in this show where where i where i was able to get cast and then you know started and and it was very soon after that when i started you know actually doing it learning about acting i realized Oh no! This is what my passion is. This is what I want to do with my life because I had um, I didn't have that same thing with music. Um, I didn't have the passion, and I didn't have the discipline either. And my mother, who later you know said that she really should have known because she always had to you know harp on me to practice the viola because you know I was so bad at it, not bad at playing it, but bad at the discipline of practicing and she'd always have to get on my case about practicing practicing but she never had to ask me once if i'd learned my lines like that was just a given and so looking back she's like i should have known so luckily i had already um i had already after i i, I made this um the, i had this moment where i was like oh okay i want to i want to be an actor i want to i want to i want to act i want to be in theater the rest of my life i had already accepted to go to ithaca college in their school of music for viola. And so that was a little bit of a thing and some arguments. Um, and, uh, but thankfully I really lucked out that Ithaca has, you know, an excellent top of the line theater department as well. They did then and they still do now. And I really lucked out that they're, you know, two, two of their huge strengths are music and theater. So I went to Ithaca, um, with the intention to immediately with the intention to switch majors and did, um, in the middle of my first semester, had some, had some final nice times playing in the symphony orchestra there, which was the final concert was, uh, the planets, which was, you know, pretty much a perfect piece to go out on. And then just, you know, started doing as much as I possibly could in the theater department. I was, I had a, uh, was on a BA in drama. That's as much as, you know, as, as far as they'd let me go. And, um, and the good thing about that is it really taught me to make my own opportunities. They, like, you were not handed anything. If you wanted to make things happen on that track, you had to just, you know, write it and put it up and just do it. And so that's what I really learned to do. And it's, it was wonderful training coming to New York where nobody cares um, so, cause it's, you know, there's so much supply, 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 and there's no demand at all. 
So I came to New York with that same with that same basis where I'm like, if you want to make anything happen here, you know, you have to do it yourself. And that's what independent theater is all about. I think it was just a, I just assumed at some point at Ithaca that you know I would I was moving to New York. That it kind of being that close to the city and you know being in in the acting program, it's kind of just assumed that that's where everyone's going. And I realized that like it's kind of where I always wanted to go because I had loved going into New York. You know, as a kid, I had loved going in. My my aunt. Um, has always li- has always lived here um, and still does. So I love coming into you know after I got into theater, I would love to go see shows with her, and I still do. And she she was a, a nice gateway as well into the arts. And you know um, we still connect about plays and stuff that the rest of our family doesn't really care about. But you know we we both have have that have that wonderful connection. And, um, and it was just kind of a given and, and, you know, it it took about in terms of it being that magical place that I love to visit so much that lasted about a week, I'd say of actually living here. And then that kind of fades away and it kind of, it's still wonderful and amazing, but it's, you know, you crowd, you cramp, you're still the champ, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's not an easy place to live and there's, you know, there's, definite pros and cons but it's still you know i i still love it and can't really see myself living anywhere else not full time i mean it's just kind of so much a part of me now and the you know so i i i i i said this before it's it's like unless i had a you know because people ask sometimes they're like well would you ever go to la would you ever you know go, move to another city the, the la question happens a lot would you ever go to la after i started working in more television and film. And I'm like, I, I would book a job and, and move to LA because they said, okay, the job's in LA, come to LA. But I would never pack a bag, get on a bus and just go to LA to make it. You know, it's like like some fresh-faced, you know, Daisy in some musical just gets off and it's going to, you know, go and become a star in Los Angeles. <laughs> you, know, you know, I would never, I mean, that's, I guess that happens, but I'm like, I, I don't. I don't see that happening with, you know, um, pushing 40 character actors like myself. <laughs> I think there's less demand. So um, I'm, I, I don't, I think New York is, is where it is. And, and quite frankly, Astoria, you know, for at least, at least for now. I mean, who knows what the future brings. But it was kind of always going to be New York. And, uh, and for now, it still is. And as far as where you're at in your career now, I read your bio briefly earlier. You're an actor. You're a writer of plays. You're a writer of musical stories. You have a book in progress, and you're also a writer for Sci-Fi Wire. How do you balance all those things, and how do you self-identify looking at all that? You know, when you wake up in the morning, are you like, I'm an actor first, but I also happen to write plays and musicals? Is there one that sticks out? I know you kind of were mentioning acting a little bit more earlier. Which one is it? Is Sci-Fi Wire the job? Like, Walk us through kind of how you look at it on a daily basis. Um, yeah, sure. I, I mean, well, the the, the 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 short answer is how, how do I balance it? Um, usually, I balance it quite badly. Um, <laughs> I, 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 but that's that's not entirely true. It, it's um, a, a hectically is is more how it is. I mean, the, the great thing with um, you know, I, I I wake up and 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 the thing is. It, it was in the beginning where I, you know, I was only acting for so long. And then it was, you know, that was the only one of these things I made any money at. And I was still doing a, a various, you know, other kinds of, you know, fill in jobs to, you know, to pay the rent. And really, I, I had the first time I ever made money at any kind of writing really was uh, with Sci-Fi Wire. And that kind of, but the, well, the wonderful, wonderful thing with that is, is that that's is still technically freelance, even though I have, you know, sh- certain shifts with certain, because I do multiple things for, for sci-fi. I, I work with um, the news team. I write features and um, every so often a video script as well. So the great thing about that is that they are, and my, my editors are, are wonderful enough there where, because an, an, an audition can happen, you know, it can come up the day before. Um, we'll just, you know, I, I was lucky years, uh, years, uh, a few years ago to get a manager interested. And for some reason, he still is. So bless him. Thank you, Harris, if you're listening. 
And, um, and so he'll write to me, you know, the day, the day before and be like tomorrow, you know, at this time and, uh, just prepare this and go to this place. And, um, and you, and so I just adjust my schedule accordingly. And it's the one time where, you know, with jobs that are, you know, I've had fill in jobs on the side, none of which have been writing or, or writing involved at all, where I've said, you know, I need flexibility. If I have an audition come up, you know, I have to go. And they're always like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's fine. And then when it actually happens, they're like, well, no, we need you for this call with blah, blah, blah. It's like, remember that talk we had at the beginning? You know, this is, you know, so the, a lot of a lot of those jobs had said there'd be flexibility, but there wasn't. And um, that was very hard to juggle. The great thing with sci-fi is, you know, not only are they flexible about it with me? I mean, they're very supportive. So, so that's wonderful. Um, so sometimes it's, you know, running out, auditioning for some crazy, some, you know, you, you more these days, more often, um, you know, film or television and then coming back and jumping on and seeing what the news is and seeing, you know, what's there to be written and seeing what's schedule wise on the docket. What's, uh, Features wise, what do I have coming up that I have to start prepping and stuff? Um, so those two things kind of take precedence. But the, the the thing, and then the personal writing, which like um, the the book I have in progress, that usually is oh, I, that gets worked on when there's nothing. There's no other deadline. You know, there's nothing else pressing for sci-fi at the moment. There's because that that I'm, I'm I'm writing not not for myself. I'm, I'm hoping that other people will read it someday. But you know, nobody's banging down my door saying, "Where are the pages? Where's the?" But you know, nobody's no nobody's demanding it aside from the small writing group I'm a part of. And even then, you know, it's it, it's not it's it's not huge accountability. So it goes a little slower. But the wonderful thing that I found. Um, in terms of which you ask, which do I identify, you know, act, actor or writer? It's, it's really, it's really in so many ways, the same thing. Cause it, it really, in both ways, you're, uh, you know, you're really just a storyteller and it doesn't matter with sci-fi, whether it's news, a feature or, or a video script, it's still, ultimately you're still telling a story and the same tools, um, that I use there, you know, my, my, the, the, the writer editor relationship is very, very similar to relationships I've had as an actor director. Um, whereas I, as an actor, I tend to go in and just throw every, like make every choice and you have to be, feel free to fail in a rehearsal room. You know, that's what it's there for. And, you know, try everything and let the director tell me what they like, what they didn't, what they want, what they don't. Cause I really don't know. So I just like font and spew everything out, throw everything at the wall and say, okay, what did you like? What did you not like? What's too much? What's not? Writing wise is very similar uh, in where I'll just throw everything in and I'll make, you know, and then they'll usually whittle it down. Now I have, a, I've been with them for a little while. I have more of a sense of, you know, what the house style is and what they want, what they definitely don't want. So I don't do that as much, but also they, you know, as they grow to know me more, I know what, you know, what works for them and what doesn't. I know what works for the site's readers more than what doesn't. And it's the same thing with, you know, developing a shorthand with a particular director. You'll know, you know, this one director would, you know, let you try something crazy and let you off the leash sometimes completely. Others, rightfully so, will rein me in a little bit and be like, okay, you know, you know, the common refrain is that was great now do it as a human being you know and and then in terms of auditioning it's you know what what are you going to get that then you know you're, you're fully in actor mode it can be hard to turn off the writer voice because you'll be sitting there waiting to go in and you know you'll get a phone alert that you know aquaman trailer blah 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 just dropped and you'd be like oh my god this has to be written about but you got to kind of put that aside and you got to just disconnect and if, if, if when you're doing one, you know, you got to just focus on the one If I'm in the middle of, you know, writing something for sci-fi. I need to just focus on that. If I'm, you know, in a rehearsal for something, you know, I need the, the phone goes off and I'm just there and present for just that. 
And then the same really the, the, the problem is, you know, the, the personal projects like the book and, 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 uh, a screenplay I'm in the middle of now, you know, there, there are no real set deadlines with this. And these is all it requires the discipline for me to actually, you know, on a day off, sit at my desk and type at a computer when that's what I do for most of the work week, you know, so it's, that that's a little, a little harder to, uh, to maintain discipline with. And that means with me, like I've got to have a story that I really love and I'm really passionate about because if I'm not, I won't, you know, I, I won't, you know, sit my butt down and, you know, it just won't happen. So with me, it, it tends to be the projects that I end up finishing. Like, it differentiates, you know, a, a good idea from a great idea. Into not saying any of my ideas are great, but <laughs> the ones that end up being finished are the ones usually that I love the most. You know, because I sit because I, I spend that extra time when you could be doing literally anything else in, in this vast, wonderful age of you know streaming without even leaving the house. You know how many you know, shows and movies are at my fingertips right now. How many games, how many everything, you know, not to mention actually going outside. <laughs> um, but, to, you know, to spend that time instead sitting down and, you know, working on a story, it's, it's usually the ones that I really love that will get that attention. And because I got a trunk of, of ideas and false starts and things that are kind of okay. And it's like, yeah, it's all right. It's like, but I just, I, I didn't, love it enough to keep going and usually it's uh, when i really think about it it's like well where was this going you know you didn't really know where this was going to go it's um things like where i have a good beginning but that's it you know it's or a good i a good log line and a good opening incident but you have no idea where it's going to go and and i have some plays and some unfinished screenplays where i honestly still don't and if I'm hunting for that, that means it was like probably half formed from the very beginning. Whereas the opposite is something pops in your mind and it's just fully formed from moment one and you kind of get the punchline first. You know, you get the prestige and then you work backwards and then you come up with the thing and you see it all and then you just, you're so excited about it, you have to write it down immediately. Those are the ones that really, that really excite me because it's about how, how do I just get that out as quickly as possible and fulfill this vision. and sometimes you know and, and then once you start feel free to change you know get the out have the outline in mind and then as it goes along feel free to change it you know as i do all the time i will characters surprise you and that's one of the great joys of the 80 percent of, of a lot of kind of writing that's done by yourself is when a character says something that you did not expect them to say never in a million years or a character who has left the room will some in terms of the book what happened recently, like um, in one of the last chapters I wrote, a character left the room and I had intended him to leave the room. This is my third pass at this section. Chaos is ensuing or whatever. And all of a sudden, I find myself typing. He runs back in the room and starts throwing plates around or whatever. And I'm like, where did that come from? It's like, you, you <laughs> don't know where, I don't know where that actually came from because I never intended that character to reenter. But it's kind of like that is when stuff like that happens or a character has a weird response and it goes off in a different way. It's such a wonderful surprise because that makes it really feel alive. And it's in, in a lot of ways that also ties it back to, you know, the the, the um, fusion between acting and writing because it's very much like two characters talking to each other. It's really just listening and being in the moment you know, with just yourself. And if they're fully formed characters enough, you know, the chances of that are are even greater, and 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 then so you know you have you have those surprises, and then but then what happens is there's a ripple effect, and that because of those surprises, it's like oh well then the end, everything that happens after that changes. So you know you outline I I do outline, but then I you know change the outline about a thousand times. Um, I don't know how I got off on that. I started <laughs> on what what you asked, and that's that's kind of what happened. So 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 yeah, I I, I don't think I nowadays I, I to make a, a short story long. I don't think I really identify actor writer. I, I mean, usually actor slash writer, but generally just you know storyteller. Because I mean, it's it's the the tools have have uh, over the years have have become quite similar. And I'm just, uh, as 
could be evident. You know, I'm generally still just a weird person, no matter which which role I'm fulfilling. Hey, everyone. We just wanted to take a quick second to thank you, our listeners, for your continued support. The Writer Experience Podcast has been self-funded from the beginning. So whether you're an aspiring writer who has taken inspiration from the podcast or just enjoy hearing from professional writers, please donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash writer experience. You can also go to our website, writerexperience.com, and click the Patreon button. Thank you again. We really appreciate your support. And now, back to the show. You referenced briefly agents in the beginning. Do you have an agent? Separate from that, do you use project management software to balance all this? Because you do a lot. So for those aspiring writers who are out there thinking, wow, this guy does a lot, how do you manage to stay productive and to stay on top of it all? I have a manager, not an agent. I still, I'm still not entirely clear what the difference is, to be honest, um, because they do a lot of the same thing. So I'm, I'm very lucky in that most of my auditions come through him. So I have, uh, I, I, I just, I, I, I use the regular, um, you know, calendar on my Mac, uh, well, on my phone, really. And I have it set with um, with what the week's going to look like and what my sci-fi writing times are. Because because you know I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll say this and and this is probably not this is not new at all and it's something I'm sure somebody on your podcast has brought up. But I there's a great little uh, book that I just picked up uh, by Neil Gaiman and beautifully illustrated by Chris Riddell. And they, I'm not being paid to say this at all. So <laughs> it's just something that I really like. It's called Art Matters. And it's just a, a wonderfully inspirational book from the two of them. And in it, he, he brings up, there's an old, um, I don't know how old, but it, it's something I remember hearing before, but not as, as well distilled as, as Neil Gaiman can put it. Whereas, you know, there are three things as an artist that that there are to be you know you can be brilliant you can be on time and you can be pleasant to work with you have to be at least two of those things you know you can get away with not being one of them you can be on time and be brilliant and be a total you know pos you can be lovely to work with and really be on time and your work is not that great but people will let it go you know so it's i i i keep that in mind because you know, I, I definitely, at least in terms of writing and acting, I mean, showing up on time, I mean, being on time is absolutely critical. You know, when they, especially if people are paying you and you're on, and you're on, and they say the deadline is here, you know, that really means the night before. It's, um, you know, it's plan, you know, the night because anything can happen. Technology, you know, is, is, is fickle and, you know, plan ahead it's especially in new york you know an audition is you know at four you know if you live in a borough it's leave the house at 2 30 you know it's figure out you know and sometimes that's not possible that's why a day where you know you have five things crammed in you get a little crazy and your hands start shaking a little bit because how are you going to make this work and the difference is you know you just have to plan accordingly you know block in travel time into the schedule you know i definitely still use the calendar and we'll still thankfully with uh with sci-fi we use uh two other applications as well called one called slack and one called trello and trello is a is wonderful in terms of productivity because you don't even i mean you could just use that personally where it's it has all of your assignments laid out and when and it will send you a nice email alert the day before it's due which sometimes, you know, because I'll, I'll forget sometimes. It'll be months after something's been greenlit. It's really, you know, between just the regular old calendar and Trello is wonderful for that in terms of, and then as acting, you know, auditions come in, just adding that, making sure there's time and keeping everyone on the same page. Because unfortunately, it's like as as flexible and, and lovely as, uh, as my, my editors are, with the auditions, you know, it's no, be the, it's usually, and sometimes they, it depends on the casting people. Sometimes they're quite nice and, um, and can accommodate you. Sometimes, you know, the director's only in town for, you know, this little window and they just can't. So and for sometimes it's, you know, two removable things and sometimes you have to pick. 
which that's not pleasant. So those are, you know, those are when, when, when other people are, are depending on me and, you know, it's, they have said, you know, I have deadlines for them. It's like either show up here at this time or have this in, you know, in our hopper at this time, you know, those I very stringently lay out and I set every reminder there possibly is. And I have a, a different sound than my phone, than my regular phone thing. And it's the most annoying piercing sound I can imagine. And when that goes off, I know it's like, oh, okay. Like I have to sit down, I have to stop everything and sit down and work now. Cause that means it's like, not that it's due in an hour. It means it's due in like two days. And that that's, you know, ensuring it's going to get in there ahead of time. It's actually, the sound is, you know, Jar Jar Binks shrieking. <laughs> uh, so nice. nothing will kind of get your attention like uh almost to an annoying point than uh than that and aside from that it's you know okay well and, and there are other things in life as well you know that you know okay other commitments and other things that you have to plan around and 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 you just build out your day like that and all of a sudden you you'll you know dream of a week of nothing and you'll look and see oh there's nothing and then it's for one thing it's amazing how fast a week will fill up and another thing you know you think you want that you think you want that that blessed week of oh it's an easy week there's not much going on and then you're in the middle of it and you're just bored and you're like somebody you know okay what but that's what it's that's what's great you know having a uh, you know passion projects and other things to kind of that's when you can really get to work on those and I'll say that that's when you sit down and type it's not like those other projects aren't con- at least with me they're constantly in my mind. You know, I'm constantly thinking about them and constantly writing notes and doing the world building and stuff like that. So actually, the time, once I sit down and start typing stuff out, that goes actually quite quick because I've been thinking about it and making notes nonstop for a week. You know, so even though I'm not actually typing, I'm still writing. But I mean, I, I have one friend that would immediately say that's BS. You're just, you know, you're procrastinating and that is not the same as writing but i swear for me it actually you know it's these things you think about it and there's a problem you can't get around and you know you think about it for a week and you don't know how a character is going to get from point a to point b and then by the time you sit down it's like you figured it out because you know you have so much travel time and, and other stuff and you know there are gaps so i i, I mean really just whether it's a computer, I, I like the the, um, the phone calendar because you know it has things like uh, alerts and stuff like that. But really, just any paper calendar and the red marker. I mean, just make sure that you know your new on time is ahead of time, and you know that's that pretty much goes for everything. And you know, the worst that can happen is you're you're waiting there a little bit, or you know you turned it in ahead of time and then you can look at it and and you can always you know make edits and make sure it's what you wanted you know and that doesn't mean it's you know set and done and gonna go up the next day you know it's just um at the very least you know they have something um so i'd, I'd say that that that's that's why that's why i begin i mean and that's, you know, the, the bottom layer. It usually gets blown up and shot to chaos, I mean, very, fairly early in the day. So, you, again, you just have to, you have to learn how to accept it, kind of roll with it, too, which is something I'm not good at. But um, I've had to learn to be. As, you know, projects come, projects go, you know. It was especially, I'll tell you, one of the, the biggest challenges was we covered uh, New York Comic Con this past year. And um, I was I was on a, a on site reporter, and that was such that between um, my editor had it you know planned to it you know to perfection, but if and we're talking about you know having a half hour to finish writing a piece, filing a piece, assuming you have Wi Fi, and then getting cross town to wherever the next panel is going to be, you know it's. That had to be like a complicated crystalline latticework of planning. And it's by the end of those four days, you kind of feel like, well, if we could make this happen, we could kind of do anything because it's, 
even just getting from one side of the Javits Center to another when you have about 1,000 Harley Quinns blocking your way. <laughs> I mean, it's, I've been before just, you know, as a guest, and I've been like, oh, this is nice. Look at all these costumes. And then, you know, when it comes to, you know, you got to be there because you gotta, you're, you're writing about this thing and you got to cover it. It's like, you can't, I can't even really, you know, take in the wonderful uh, old Last Jedi Luke Skywalker over here because I'm running to something else, you know, which is, so I'll make sure to find him later. But it's, um, it, it, you know, and, 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 and stuff happens, you know, so it's, you know, backup plans are always good. That's why, you know, having that day, you know, building in that day is good because sometimes something will come up and, you know, you won't, or you'll, you'll, you know, best case scenario, you, you actually book a job, you know, and then that's pretty much a day you're, you're going to, and you're going to be on set for a day. Um, and I mean, you, you can't really, at least with a lot of this stuff, you know, I, I haven't been able to bring my laptop and do, you know, write, you know, sci-fi news, you know, on set, you really want to keep it in terms of that. I, I want to keep it as separate as possible. You know, it's like I said before, it's like if I'm on set, I'm on set and fully there, you know, doing that job. It's when I try and do them both at once, that's where I get in trouble. It's where I'm trying to, you know, have the best of both. It's like, no, it's do one full out, best of my ability, and then, you know, move on and then fully invest in the other instead of, you know, do them both separately the best I can rather than half-ass two at a time. Um, and that I learned the hard way because I've always, you know, because I, I did that for many years and, you know, everything suffered and everything ends up less good. And people get mad at you and people will fire you. And um, it's, you know, not that, I mean, it was usually the uh, non-artistic jobs that uh, that suffered as a result. But still, it's, um, I'd say it's a, it's a good habit. And that just, you know, the more you plan and uh, either digitally or, or on a, you know, written calendar, the better. And be prepared for it all to just go up in smoke at any moment and that's okay you know we'll figure it out and at the end of the day you're still gonna you know you're still gonna go back home and that you know it's not the end of the world you know unless it is in which case you know sorry um but uh you plan the best you can hope for the best and that's that's just, and if stuff goes wrong after that you, i mean you've done the best you can do i mean and i'd also say you know you know it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, behoove anybody, I think, to, you know, make excuses or to be like, oh, I was sick or the train was late or whatever. You know, it's, it's, because uh, ultimately the, you know, people don't care. So plan ahead, I guess. Again, an incredibly long winded answer to what you asked. <laughs> um, as far as all these different mediums in which you work, would you say there's one thing across? those different mediums, acting, writing a book, writing for sci-fi wire. Is there one piece of advice that, and I know you've mentioned some pieces throughout, is there one thing that stands out to you as a piece of advice for aspiring writers who are either trying to start out um, or trying to maybe balance like what you're doing, multiple different mediums? Yeah. I'd say the o overall theme that has kind of, gone with my, my acting my, and, and every kind of writing I do in every way, I'd say be bold. It's be bold and make strong choices. And, you know, in, in whatever artistic thing you're doing, I would rather watch something that makes big, big choices and fails completely at it than watch something that doesn't even try and is just kind of okay. You know, if you're going to fail, fail big. You know, that's, and I, I, I'm sure there are many that would disagree with that, but it's like, for one thing, that's what a rehearsal room is for as an actor, you know, try everything and just, you know, and, and I do. And that's why, you know, that's why I, I also should, should really never direct because I should never be in a position where I have any kind of power over <laughs> or any kind of final cut. Cause every time I have things get weird. Cause I find some things funny or I'm just being a jerk. I'm like, I'm putting that in. I'm yeah. Cause I'm just cra kind of crazy that way. And it's, um, 
And and that's the problem when you're a director, you can just I'm like, wait, no one's gonna stop me? It's like, okay. And you know, so I should I should never ever have that kind of power. And so, so with, with with an acting choice or whatever, you know, don't don't be too. I'm not saying if the if you're playing, you know, a timid character, you know, don't scream anyway. It's not what I'm saying. It's just like do it, do it full out, and and make a make a strong choice and commit to it. And the same with the same with writing. You know, if you have a story you believe in, it's like I'm using a baseball metaphor, but sw- you know, swing for the fences. You know, it's so apt. And, you know, the, the, the stuff that I love watching, the stuff that really excites me and, and inspired me early on were all things that did that, were, you know, plays that did that and movies. I remember I was talking about this just last night. I remember the first time I went, I watched the movie Being John Malkovich. And, um, it's the first time I ever saw anything of Charlie Kaufman's work. And talk about a, a writer who makes bold choices. I mean, that, it's insane what he does. And this is before I'd ever read Vonnegut or really got into, you know, some of these sci-fi heavy hitters, you know. But I watched that movie and I was like, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. That was the thought I had. And I was like, I didn't know movies could be like that. I didn't know they were allowed to be like that. And that changed forever the way I look at movies. And, and I was like, oh my God, there are all these other movies that are like that. It's like, I had no, you have no idea. And I watched a movie last night that made me feel the same way. It's, it's a movie came out this year called Sorry to Bother You, where I was like, talk about making bold choices in on a script level, on a directing level, in every way. I was like, wow, did that thing go places I didn't think it was going to go. And I loved it for that. I love that's what really it's like you're already in it. And then it it just goes and thematically it's coherent and everything. And it's big and it's how far can we really take this, you know, not to it, not for the sake of being irresponsible, but for the sake of the story too, you know, and it and it was wonderful. And I'm like, that's that's the kind of thing I really respond to. I'm like, that's what my my favorite things end up being i mean it's um like my favorite writers all are all the kinds that 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 do that i think that's why i like genre storytelling so much because it's allowed to do that more you know it doesn't it can kind of break the rules in a lot of ways is invented to break the rules and and, and so i'd rather take a risk and be bold with something that you know, is, is true. Or, and, and there's a double-edged sword here because, I mean, people are, are less inclined to take a chance on it. You know, everyone says, oh, we want bold choices, we want bold voices, we want bold. But, you know, they don't all the time. But really, you know, the people with the money, you know, at least in, and that kind of, that's not a, bad, a good way to put it because that's just conjuring, you know, a huge you know, Dick Tracy going behind an enormous desk, but just saying, I have all the money, but you know, that's not, that's not what it is. It's like, but you know, there's so much that is safe and there's so, and safe really, you know, sells because it doesn't ask a lot and it doesn't ask a lot of its, of, of your audience and everything else. So I see that. So in a way, this is not good advice to, you know, how to be monetarily successful, but in, in terms of, you know, and, and, and there are plenty of jobs, I'm sure, where if I'd reined it in a little, little bit more, you know, I, I could have I could have booked it. But you, you, you'll be remembered. You know, it's still, are you going to, I think of the, 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 I don't remember, in terms of going back to, to Malkovich, like, I don't remember any other movie, really. Well, that was a good year for movies, actually. There was a lot of good movies that year. But, you know, that, it, it, it sticks out. And no, it didn't you know, win any awards and most people are like, what the hell is this weird thing? But you know, I, I'll never forget it. So it's, it's, you know, I'd, I'd rather, instead of kind of being tolerated by, you know, everybody, I'd rather, you know, it's, I'd rather have a smaller group really, really go for it. And ult- ultimately, I mean, ultimately also it's none of that matters. It's tell the story you want to tell, but tell it how you want to tell it. And if you have a bold vision for it, then do it. 
especially if you're just, you know, it, it, and it depends, it, not so, that's not so applicable with my sci-fi work, even though, you know, if I'm a little too over the top or too bold or there's one too many, you know, it's an article about um, a news story about a life-size ATST walker by the side <laughs> of the road in Devon that they want taken down and the owner does not want to take it down. It's like, well, how many, you know, Ewok Attack of the Clones jokes is too many for this <laughs> art? You know, I'll put in 13 and we'll wind up with eight. You know, I'll be like, that's good. I only really wanted five. You know, so it's, and you know, it's, you know, so you do, especially with news, you know, with sci-fi, you, you, there is a certain amount of you have to behave there. But if it's just for yourself, you know, with stuff like the book and stuff where, you know, I'm just doing this. And if something happens with it, great. I really hope with this this crazy, silly, nonsense book that I'm writing, like, I really hope something happens happens with it. More than five people end up reading it. I would really love that. I would I would love it if it was published, and I would love it if it made money. But at the end of the day... I'm going to write it anyway. It's that, that I keep coming back to this line from Rushmore where it's, I have to paraphrase it because I don't remember the, I don't, to my shame, I don't remember it specifically, but there's something like, you know, they said, oh, you don't actually have permission to build this aquarium. He's like, I don't care. I'm building it anyway. <sighs> you know, and it's like, that's, and I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. It, it's, 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 this, this book is crazy. You know, it's nonsense. It's, you know, and, I, and I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. And there are ways that I could, you know, make it safer and more accessible in a lot of ways. And I'm like, and maybe I'll end up doing that, but not now, not, not in the beginning. And, you know, in terms, and it's the same thing with Auckland, you know, it's the same in the rehearsal room. That's what a rehearsal room is there for, to rehearse, to try out different things, to try every way of doing something, you know, being free enough, being free to fail, give yourself the freedom to fail. You know, I'd say that's part, and failure is wonderful, you know, again, because, you know, failure is, it's the year anniversary, I think, yesterday, so, so, damn it, let's go, you know, quote Last Jedi, you know, where Yoda comes back and says, the greatest teacher of failure is, you know, I saw that scene, I was like, man, did that nail it, because it's true, and it's not pleasant, but you, you, you learn, so you try, so, so try it. Try every, every, not just try it, but do it. And if it fails, it fails. You know, then you know, then you've learned something, then there's success, then there's progress. So be bold, go for it. That's what I'd say. Love it. Um, could, uh, could be, could be horrible advice. And I'm sure many would completely disagree, but that's, you know, I, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know how to write a book. You know, I'm teaching myself how to, how to, you know, as I go. I'm figuring it out, you know, but before I'd never been really taught how to write a play. I figured it out as you go. You know, it's, it's, you know, at first you think, well, how hard can it be with, with musicals? I was like, well, how hard could it be? It turns out very hard, but you learn those lessons along the way. I mean, and you learn it by doing it's, um, and if something doesn't work, you know, it becomes apparent. And so you change it, you know, that's, that's what the delete keys for. That's, you know, and that's why you have, that's why I have like 30 drafts of some things on, you know, on a hard drive. It's not like it's, you make this change and the other thing is gone forever. You know, it's so just, you know, do it. Boldness. Oh, I, I always pays at least for me as, as an, as an audience member and as an artist, I'd always, always rather it be, be big and bold, big, bold failure than a timid kind of success. Yeah. And lastly, bonus question. Yours is, in your Twitter bio, you describe mm-hmm. yourself as an eccentric gutter wizard. Mind shedding some light on uh, what that means? Sure. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's not original, I should say. I stole it. Um, it's uh, a phrase that um, the late great Sir Terry Pratchett um, wrote in... Uh, he has a character, in, and I believe in his, in his first two uh, Discworld books, is a wizard named Brincewind, and he's described as a gutter wizard, whereas, you know, he's a wizard technically, but he's really bad. He's generally thought of to be a, as the worst wizard around, to the point where he barely has any powers at all, and does, and what power, like, he's 
a wizard really in name only. And I've always had a fast, and I read that, I'm like, oh, I, I cut into that immediately because I, I, I've i had a fascination with, certainly with fantasy, but mostly with wizards my entire life. And I don't really know why, um, but I, I'm, I'm going to hate that I said uh, that, I, that I say this, but my <laughs> mother has, has a picture when I'm, when I'm very little, they took me to a field where some kids were playing soccer, very, very little. And she has a photo of over here on the right side is these kids playing soccer. And over here on the left is this kid. This, this field was lined with bright orange cones, right? Traffic cones. Over there on the left, far away from the kids playing soccer, is little me kneeling down, putting one of the cones on my head, about to, you know, play wizard. And she still has that photo. And I'm like, that's pretty much, you know, that's my child, it, my childhood in an image, you know, that's it. You know, and needless to say, they didn't bring me to try and play any soccer after that. Pretty much my parents realized that that was a losing battle from, from go. So it's, it's always been this thing. And, and, I, and I, you know, it's magic and fantasy, you know, it finds its way into a lot of my work. And I, and I, I, I like the idea of, you know, the crackpot eccentric you know, of, um, you know, I, I, my, my favorite literary characters, uh, is Gandalf the gray, you know, favorite Harry Potter characters, Dumbledore. Um, I love, uh, every incarnation of the doctor on doctor who, you know, I like, I like the idea of this whimsical kind of devil may care spirit that usually gets it wrong, but every now and then, can kind of save the day and it's like it is pretty much you know so the, the phrase gutter wizard it's like it just conjured this crackpot crazy person that really shouldn't be this is a horrible thing to say on a podcast where you've just been <laughs> theoretically giving writing advice but it's like <laughs> you know it's it, it's you know a, a, a nutty absurdist you know only slightly sane person who you know every now and then might have a bit of real magic and and it's certainly not all the time and it's it's you know every, and I'm, you know most of my output i'd say it's like and this is not just me being hard on myself even though i am i think most actors writers artists are you know but i'm like most of the time i'm like yeah that's fine that was adequate or you know I watch something i did on film it's like eh, could have been better you know every now and then though there'll be something where i'll be like that was good. I really like that. That that was you know. I like that. I don't know where it. I don't know where that came from, but I but I'm happy with that. So it's every now and then, and that's like this character. You know, it's um in Pratchett, where it's he almost always gets it wrong, except you know, in this he has like a couple of moments where you know he's dead on, and so something about that that phrase. It's also not a phrase you hear in any other kind of fantasy world, and that's why you know I. I've since fallen in love with everything Terry Pratchett. Um, I talk about someone I think he's not underrated in, in, in England, but he really is here in America. Um, I just finished his, uh, his book, Thief of Time, which is one of the, the best fantasy books I've ever read. Um, but uh, aside, aside from, you know, Good Omens is the gateway to Terry Pratchett because I was already in the old game and plan and that kind of opened it. But the minute I, I heard that phrase, something stuck out and I was like, not even necessarily that's what I am, but it's like, you know, I like that. That's, you know, if I'm any, any kind of wizard, you know, or any kind of, you know, fantastical being, you know, that would be what I was, you know, the crazy moron, you know, barely sane who, you know, gets it right maybe one out of a hundred times. Yeah, something about it just really caught me. And it's, and I said, when I, and what are you putting a Twitter by? <laughs> so I'm, like, I just said, it's like, this, this, would, this kind of describes me. If it doesn't, then fine, you know, but, it, but it's like, it's also, you know, people that, have, that know what you're talking about are instantly on your wavelength, people that aren't, you know, it, it conjures something. You know, usually probably of, you know, uh, a guy covered in mud in a, in a pointed hat sleeping in a, you know, in a sewer, um, which is, you know, still on the cards, still eligible for that <laughs> to be uh, my future in the next 10 years. So 
by all means, listen to my wonderful advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, writing a Twitter bio is a whole craft of its own. I think we briefly talked about it before, but maybe the next time we have you on, that's what we'll cover. But uh, thank you, yeah, man. My changes constantly, so that's yeah. <laughs> that could be out to, and probably will be out of it tomorrow. We'll see. Did you want to shout out your Twitter, since we're talking about Twitter, your Twitter handle, and plug anything that's coming up? I don't know if you can mention your book title or... Well, yeah, sure. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Brian Silliman. It's just my name, um, at uh, B-R-I-A-N-S-I-L-L-I-M-A-N. And if you look up, uh, if you want to read my work for sci-fi, you can just type in sci-fi, S-Y-F-Y, wire, and then my name, and it'll come up. My staff bio should come up, and you can read all kinds of news and features and, and stuff like that. And um, the book is called Diphthong Ravenback's Guide to Making Really Irresponsible Choices. And that is much, and it's about, I'll say it's about a, uh, a young genius's adventure in attempting to free her blocked mind through, you know, time, space, everything else. It's a free-willing, crazy adventure that, uh, that is, as of now, at least half finished the first draft. So, um, and who knows if anybody anywhere will ever care about it, but I'm like, I'll self-publish it myself if I have to. So who knows when or where, but, um, I hope, I really hope in a couple years or so, you'll be able to, uh, people will be able to read that. And, um, then that's, that's where we are. And, um, in terms of, uh, I don't think nothing's really coming up. I think nothing I can talk about coming up acting wise, but you know. You never know. You, sh- some, you shoot these things and you wait for it to come up and you're like, sometimes you make a cut, sometimes you don't. So you don't really know. But here's hoping. Could be, could go either way. Uh, so I think that's that. That's, those are, that's my first time plugging anything. That's, that, <laughs> Wait, was, that was a thrill. Well, you did a good job. Um, thank you, sir. And thank you for being on the show. It's been fun. My um, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, talking all things acting, writing, musical stories, sci-fi wire and the trials and tribulations of everything in between. Thank you, Brian. It's been fun, man. Thank you. Same to you, man. All right. And thank you to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.